0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I appreciate everyone being here. Hallelujah. God is here, and that's the most important thing. Hallelujah. So we want to come in. We want to have church. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who's here and who's not here. Hallelujah. God is here, and that's all that matters. Hallelujah. So we want to come in, welcome Each and every one, hallelujah, just hallelujah. This time of year, this season seems to be as fast paced as you can get it. Hallelujah. So we just come in and just try to take a few minutes. I mean, it's been said so many times, if we could just reach out and just slow things down just a bit. You know, it's just at times you just come to church and we're just human. We just come in and you're just so overwhelmed with life and you just catch yourself and you woke up and preacher saying it's time to go home and that's no fault of us we're just human I mean we're just caught up in life and so that's why I said times we just have to make ourselves slow down and because we only got a few minutes here and then we go home and then and then we deal with sure enough life and so we want to come in and in just a few moments we want to I want to speak with um, everything that's in me I want to just give you what I feel the Lord has given me so, well, as I said, I want to just start with a verse in um, St. John. He goes right to the heart of the matter. St. John 1, This is just where I'll start. It says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you today, and we thank you most of all, hallelujah, for your precious word God, I know that it's already anointed, so I ask you right now that you would anoint us, Lord God, for we can't do this on our own, God, but I know with your anointing that you can touch us. God, I know that we have crevices in our heart that we think that nothing can touch, but God, I know your... Your word can root out each and everything, Lord God, that your word can find places in us that we can dream that nothing could touch. God, I know that nothing's impossible with you. Touch us this day, anoint us, Lord God. Strengthen us as we magnify your name and praise you. Touch our Sunday school, Lord God, every ministry that goes forth today. Keep your hand on and bless it, God, I pray. Touch our pastor while he's away and keep your precious hand upon them, God, I pray. In the holy name of Jesus, we love and we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you much for standing. This day, it being in December, um, as Brother Boyd has asked me to do, we, this is not set in stone, but he's just asked me to do periodically, or not periodically, but as close as I could to the second Sunday of every month. I'm sure you're aware of that by now. So, when it comes time to December, I just, there's just some things that cross my mind and everything I tell you today will be from my perspective. It is not nothing I've read. I'm not giving you no one's else perspective. So, everything I say today, you don't have to wonder if I'm quoting somebody else. I'm quoting me. So, this is all me. So, um, you won't have to wonder where it come from. It come from me. So, so if you got somebody to blame, blame me. So, But John tells us right from the very beginning that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So this time of year, I couldn't let December go by naturally because Christmas being in December. And in general, our society is told at this time of the year basically you should be the happiest this should be the happiest time of the year basically that's just what we're told we're just told that in in general but i believe uh i believe there's a negative side of that and i'll explain what i mean by that if you just take and you just take someone that does not go to church that we would say it's Uh, basically is unchurched, as we would call it, that does not have a church home, and they're just told, this season is why you should be happy. When they're overwhelmed with life, and all you tell them is, you know what? You should be happy. But you don't tell them why they should be happy, then I think you do them a disservice. Because you got to take, and just all of it is, the masses are just given a date, the date, I don't hold nothing to. I've got nothing against December 25th. But December the 25th, to me, is just another date. Now, I'm not throwing rocks against what the world or what our society says is Christ's birthday. I'm not knocking that. But do I get up looking at December the 25th? I honor my Lord every day. Not just on December the 25th. So that's what I'm saying about December the 25th. Yes, yes, I will For the sake of December the 25th, join, so to speak, and just say, yes, I will agree with you on this point. Let's honor the Lord on December the 25th. But December the 25th, they're not going to know him. I will still know him on December the 26th. So therefore, I'm saying I'm just not going to know him on December the 25th. I want to know him all the time. So that's why I said if all you do is tell someone you should be happy, but you don't tell them why, then you're doing them a dishonor. And I believe that can lead literally to people blaming the Lord for their depression. Because we know depression goes up. It's sad, but depression literally goes up at this time of year. And I believe this is Don't fault nobody else but me, but I believe this is one of the reasons because society is telling them, why aren't you happy? You should be happy. And they're saying, but I'm not happy. I got all of life overwhelming me and you're telling me that I should be happy and I don't know why I'm not happy because nobody is telling me why I'm not happy. All that you're telling me is I should be happy, but I'm not happy. So therefore... When society goes to the point that says, you know, look, you know, there must be something wrong with you. And they start trying to figure it out. Well, why am I not happy? And somebody tells them, well, it's the Lord's birthday. And then they put two and two together. Well, literally, I think they can start blaming the Lord for their depression. Well, the Lord must be the reason that I'm depressed. I really believe that. I really believe it can. I'm not saying it does. I believe it can literally lead to that because this this literally this time of year this pace is fast that we live in it just seems like at this time of the year it just it just seems like there's just not enough time in the day to accomplish everything that needs to be done and it's just I don't know it it's just time is the same if it, I've been intrigued by time all my life it is just I I'm time conscious that clock that little old clock that sets over there if I'll just reveal this about me. Don't hold it against me. But y- y'all look at the back of that. I look at the face of that. Because I want to know what time it is. Because time intrigues me. So therefore, that's what I'm saying. At it, it, it times of life, we just wish we could just slow it down. And when at times it seems like it's going faster, it's not. What's causing that? As Christians, we say it is a sign of the times. And I definitely believe that. I believe it literally goes to what the biblical talks about, the end of life just being rushed in on us. And all of a sudden, we are just overwhelmed with everything, with all the chaos that's going on. And we just say, you know what? I just wish I could slow it down. I just wish I could slow it down. But the sad reality of it, it's not going to slow down. We have got, that's why we sing that song that Brother Chris leads, Cover Me. That's why I said it's it's just so important when we get up You can't just waltz through your day and leave your home and just never ask for help. We have got to leave our home and say, God, you've got to cover me. I don't know what I'm going to get into today, but I need my mind covered because I am going to step from my home, which I pray to the good Lord is a safety harbor for me, and I'm fixing to step into you know what, and then when I get into you know what, I need the covering of the Holy Ghost to protect me to protect my mind because when I'm in that it's too late to stop right then because I'm in it I got to go through it then once I'm in it but while I'm still at home that's when I can take and read this Bible, and pray, God, cover me, cover my mind, anoint me, give me the strength and the direction, because you know where I'm going, you already know where my feet is going to trod today, so therefore, I need the help, I need the anointing, I need the covering, because this life is fast-paced, and it's just the commercialization of of Christmas, if you want it, I mean, I've joked, I've said, I, I don't, I was trying to remember this this week. I don't really believe that I've never said this behind this pulpit. I don't think to my knowledge, but I have always said this phrase to whomever I've talked about. Greed knows no limit in which to judge itself by. And you can talk about this is America. This is just the way we do things. This is just uh, the the capitalism or whatever name you want to put on it. Just go ahead with it ever how you want it. But I'm telling you, greed knows no limit in which to judge itself by. I'm not blasting nobody. I'm just saying when you turn it loose, it knows no end. So therefore, we just got the, you, some holidays, I just feel like screaming, leave them alone. Let them enjoy their holiday. But they won't do it. Let's have a sale. And just, if I'm on a hobby horse, just give me a minute and I'll be off of it. But all I'm saying is just, they won't leave it alone. You just cannot have a holiday. It's just, man won't leave it alone. It's just got the greed of humanity that just not going to let it rest. So when it comes Christmas, when it's over, this should be the most special day of the year. Literally. It's got Christians to the point that we're just saying... We don't voice it, but we're just saying with our spirit, we're just glad it's over. Not about the Lord, but about the chaos. You can't even go to the store. You get run over. You get knocked down. You get buggy rash. Just a pure greed. Lord forbid they'd have a sale while you is in there. It is just the greed of humanity. That's all I'm saying. It knows no limit in which to judge itself by. And that, I'm telling you, ultimately goes back to sin. And that is what happens. So all I'm saying is just, you got people that all they're told is they should be happy, but they're in this chaos. And they don't know why they should be happy. So therefore, they they are being done an injustice in my view. So therefore, everyone I come across that just is in this frame of mind, if they'll give me a second, then I try to tell them, this is not. Everything we see going on, this is not what Christmas is about. Ever ever what your view of Christmas is? This is not what Christmas is about. This is not about going fighting for some item. That has nothing to do with Christmas. That is nothing to do with Christmas. But everything, this time of year, is a, is a whole lot more to do with what we see being done to this holiday. And so if it felt like a rant to you, then I just apologize for it. I'm going to go back to John. So turn, if you're still in John, if you have your Bible, I'm going to go back. I want to read some scripture. That's why I said John, he didn't fool around. He just, he just jumped straight to the heart. I'm going to read John 1 through 3. Now, in reading this in St. John 1 through 3, make no no mistake about it. He is talking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. (laughs) That's the flesh. Okay, now he jumps to the Spirit. Number two. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We know no body was made until the Lord was born. There was no body birth till then. But verse 3 says all thing was made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So therefore, you're talking about oneness. It's easy to believe oneness. The world was made by him, the word. There's one spirit, one spirit. Okay, I want to jump to verse 10. I'm going to go through 10 through 14. Now, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. Speaking about Jesus Christ in the flesh, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. In other words, here's Jesus in the world. The world that he made, and the world didn't even recognize him. He came unto his own, and his own people even didn't even receive him. Not. He came unto his own, and his own wouldn't even receive him. But look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, which was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of God, nor the will of man, but of God. And verse 14 nails it. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I'll read my opening verse again. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, just for title's sake, I just flipped it. I just put truth delivered with grace. But the way this Bible puts it, is grace always comes before truth. We've got to have that. In the Old Testament, under, under the Mosaic system, that's why it says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now I want you to listen to this. When the law was given to Moses, there were 69 commandments on God and idolatry in the in the in the law. There was eighty-three judicial commands in the law given to Moses, but there was hundred and twenty-two commandments on sacrifice that was in the law. Now if there's one thing I know that God didn't tolerate, it was you go how you will have no other gods before me. He would not tolerate that. Idolatry would get you killed. And there was 69 of them. But there was 122. So I, that lets me know. That lets me know. That the provisions that God made for sacrifice. Was on his mind so strong. When it comes to Humanity offering a sacrifice to him that he made 122 commandments to make sure that the commandments was done correctly. So therefore, truth was coming and grace was leading the way. Now, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, over 300, that prophesied the birth of our Lord coming to be birthed. Now. And what is amazing to me is literally we have the Lord, Yahweh being born in a stable. Now I'm telling you, we here is where I have to really draw a fine line of not to throw rocks against the Jews. Because when you look at this of what God and his majesty was to them the splendor when you look at Solomon's temple and the way the bible describes it the glory and the majesty what would you say if you knew God in the capacity they knew God and then you was told your god Yahweh was just born in a stable <laughs> That would take a few minutes to digest. I don't think me, that I would stand there and say, yep, I'm with you. I got it. I believe I would stand there and say, you know what? (laughs) As we would say, that's going to have to soak a while. You you got angels telling you, I'm going to need a few telling me. But literally, the God of heaven to be born in a stable It may be predicted in the Bible, but still, that is going to take some time. So this is what the Bible literally predicted. He would be born in Bethlehem. But to be born in a stable, literally where animals is kept, that is really, really humbling yourself to be the God of heaven and to humble yourself. Even to the point of humiliate yourself, I would say. To be born literally in a stable. To, to do this. And I can see, that's, I said that, I can see the Jews saying no. 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 That's not our God. You are mistaken. Our God would not do that. Our God is this. Our God told Gideon. This is what it's going to be like. You're going to stand up there and your eyes is going to view your enemy as grasshoppers and camels. And literally, the sea, the sand that's by the sea, is they are going to look as a multitude. And you're going to go get you an army. And what's 32,000 compared to a multitude, the Bible? Literally, the sand Uh, literally that's by the sea what's 32,000 and then God just says you know what Gideon that's way too much literally starts weeding them out and gets down to 300 and he tells Gideon you stand up you look your enemy in the eye but I don't have but 300 that's all right. I've delivered them into your hand so you take and do what I've told you to do and I will give them to you I've already delivered them into your hand The Jews would say, that's our God. That's what our God can do. And so reduce your army. Do this. He would tell Elijah, get out of the cave. you got no business in this cave. Elijah, you are not alone. You're thinking you're in this cave. You're alone. You're not alone. i got 7,000 that hadn't kissed that ugly statue. You are not alone. Leave this cave. Your ministry is not over. You have no business here. You get out of the cave. You go forth. There's more false prophets to kill. You have got to do this. Your ministry is not through. You go do this. You have to do this. Job, if I literally have to speak to you out of the whirlwind, I will do this. Your storm will not get so loud that I will not speak to you. I will do this. I will speak. I will do this if I have to speak. Daniel, if I have to literally go to which what would literally consume you and shut its mouth, I will do that. That is what the Jews would say. That's our God. Our God is not born in a stable. Our God would do this. So they would do this. They, he would come. He would shut the lion's mouths, plural. He would do this. He would come and do this. He would take and do this. That's why I said, I understand this. To the physical side of this, they had this. The Jews had this down. I believe this. It's grace before truth. Grace before truth. So when it comes to the Jews, the physical side of this, I believe they had. So when they are in there, when it comes time for the Lord to be born, they had this. They had this. Now... There's a scripture. I'm going to jump over to uh, St. Matthew. I'll give you just a second to turn to it if you you wish. If not, follow me on the screen. Matthew 5, 17. It's been said of Pentecostals, Apostolics, whatever name you want to put on it, that we're too strict. That sort of irritates me to a point. Who made us a high watermark? We're not the high watermark. This is a high watermark. And the way I look at that is this. When you have an officer and he's out on the road patrolling, to me when he does his job the most effective is when he keeps in his mind that he is a representative of the law. Whenever he goes to the point that he thinks that he is the law, he went too far. I've been asked before, "Are you the truth?" I said, "Are you insane?" This is the truth. We're just representatives of the truth. We just represent the truth. We're not strict. This is strict. So it's been said of us that we're strict. And this is the way I answer that. Matthew 5 17 says it like this Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. As I've said, the Jews had this down the physical side. Don't run from your enemy. Do not run. I'm telling you, that's still an effect. Do not run from your enemy. God does not provide any armor for our back. The armor is for your front. You engage the enemy, but you flip that around. You've got to use wisdom. You've got to know your strength. You've got to know your weaknesses. You have to use, as we would say, use your head. You've got to use your spiritual sense. So, but... They had it down. They had this. But what about the 122 commandments when it comes to sacrifice? The physical they had, but now it come time for the Lord to be born. And grace and truth was coming with him. But I would say to the one that telling, telling me that we're too strict, What about the man standing in the Old Testament with his family outside the tent? Asking God to just cover his sins for another year. Not knowing if God was. And literally all that was going to happen. When a man would kill the lamb. And go before the Lord. Take it to the priest. And the priest would offer the sins. They would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. Literally, to this Bible, all that happened was that their sins was covered, not done away with, covered. Their sins was covered for another year. So, I would say, what about the commandments then and the family when he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat? The covering was made. Now, what about all the people standing outside wondering, What really must it be like to step into the presence of God? What must it be like to go in the Holy of Holies? What must it really be like to do this? And then when Jesus came, he's the one that made it possible that no longer has man got to be able just to stand outside the tent. God made it possible for he took and he's the one that did away with this. He's the one that did away with the taking of sin. But just as the same one that took, the Bible says that when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and she, and she conceived and bare a son, what really I find so fascinating is that that spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the one that God said, that is what I use to conceive my flesh. That is what I was tempted in, my flesh. That is what I will give you. I will give you the Holy Ghost. We know there's one spirit, and I know I'm sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm following the Bible. Because the Bible says that Mary was overshadowed. There's three manifestations of God. God chose to do this. He said, I'm going to overshadow Mary with the Holy Ghost. So when he overshadowed Mary with the Holy Ghost, she conceived of the Holy Ghost. That conceived the flesh of Jesus Christ. The flesh is what he was tempted in. So when he was resisted the enemy and overcame the enemy, now I, knew he, I know he was God. We're still human. But he said to help your human side, I will give you the Holy Ghost. So therefore, I don't have to stand leaning over the wall saying, what's it like? So therefore, God said, I will make you able to overcome the flesh that you live in. So therefore, I don't have to stand. We don't have to stand. And therefore, the 122 commandments, that's why I said when people say that we're too strict. God said, I am not come to destroy the prophets or destroy the law. God is not saying, I come to tear it down. I am the fulfillment of the law. So therefore, I am not come to do away with the law. I came to add to the law. And the way I'm adding to the law is giving you strength that you don't have to sit there and say, how am I going to get through all these commandments today? Because without the Holy Ghost, man is just saying, how am I going to make it? There's no way I can do it. I can't do this on my own. And God said, I will distill my spirit in you. And when I put my spirit in you, that is the fulfillment of the law. And that's what Jesus said, I've come to do. So, in other words, it says that we're too strict. We're not too strict. We're following the Bible. So, and therefore, they say that we stand around and and, and we take and we do all of this and we're too strict and we follow this. God said, no, no. Man has stood peeping over the walls too long. God said, you're looking at it wrong. Take and receive of my spirit. Receive of my name. Take my name just as a bride would her husband. God said, I want you to take my name. Take my name unto you. Cover yourself with my name. And then when you do... I will give you my spirit and in my spirit you will overcome the flesh that you live in. So therefore you're not sitting there wondering how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through the rules and regulations? The rules and regulations in this is nothing to get through. With the Holy Ghost it is just another day. It is just another day living in victory. So it's just not me wondering what am I going to do? I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumb saying how am I going to defeat the devil today? He is a defeat somebody all I've got to do is just stand and just say God have your way that's why I said cover me anoint me with your spirit because I am not a a defeated Christian we are victorious in the Holy Ghost and God has made it a way and the, the way that he made it is by putting his spirit in us So it is not us trying to be strict. All we're doing is following the commandments of the Lord. And when God said, I've come to fulfill that law, I believe that's what he meant. Because that is the following of that. It is not. Because literally, literally, in the Old Testament, there is no way man could do this. Why do you think they needed the Day of Atonement? One day a year, I'm telling you, in the Bible, the day of atonement was the most special time for them than any other feast, the day of atonement. Because that was, that was I would say, the cleansing time for Israel. And all it did, all it did was just cover the sin. God said if you would, if you would confess your sin, that he would forgive your sin and remember it no more. Not just cover it but he would remember it no more. So therefore, I'm not just battling something that God still is just saying, you know, Thursday two weeks ago, you did this. It's done and it's over with. When you confess it and God forgives you and puts it, as we say, under the blood, it's done and over with. So therefore, it is brought up. God will not stick it in your face again. It's done and it's over with. So therefore, that is the fulfilling of the law. So he said, don't think I've come to tear down the law or tear down the prophets. What I've come to do is put my spirit in my people to make them victorious, to make them victorious over the flesh, over the devil, and over the world in which they live in. And that's exactly what he did. He made himself and us victorious. It was a covering that he did. We do not have to be a slave to the own flesh we live in. We do not have to be a slave to it. We do not have to be a slave to it. And put in the spirit, God. We have his spirit. God literally did something that the Mosaic law could never do. He gave us victory over this flesh. He sure did. He gave us victory over this flesh. And he did it because grace came with truth. Grace came with truth. Now, I believe that grace should always go before truth. Always should go before truth. And, and what I mean by that is you should always have both. You should always speak the truth, but you should speak it in grace. Because if all you have is grace and no truth, then you're just out of balance. If all you have is truth and no grace, then you're pharisaical. So you have to have both. You have to have both. But you want grace to go before truth. You do. I'm telling you, that's me. Take that ever how you want. But I think grace would go before truth. I got some points that I want to try to make. This is just me personally. I I have spoke about this. Uh... Before, but but one point I want to make before I go there in Saint Luke, I want just want to give you one observation of mine. Of we know the Lord, Saint Luke four, uh, chapter four, verse verse five. This is the Lord when he was tempted. We know that after the forty days he was tempted. To turn the stone into bread. About the kingdoms of the world and to throw itself off the temple. But the one that I want to bring out is in St. Luke. It's, it's the middle one that Luke puts in the center. In St. Luke, the fourth chapter. And I'll start reading at verse um, 5. And the devil taking, up, taking him up into a high mountain showed him showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee in the glory of them that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all thou, to me all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, of the three, I can literally see where the enemy would tempt him with bread first naturally. I, I just, wow, I just can't imagine a 40-day fast. I'm telling you. Satan wouldn't have had to worry about me wanting to turn stone into bread. i had been willing to eat him. I mean, <laughs> he wouldn't have stood a chance. I'd He would have been telling me about the stone, and I'd be done cut an arm off. I mean... So he wouldn't have got that far. But, but I can easily see him starting with the physical side. You know, you're hungry, so turn the stone into bread. You say you're God, let's do this. In uh, the last one in Luke where he says, but what I find in, even interesting about it, where he takes him to the temple. I believe he is really being sarcastic. Takes him to the temple and puts him on the pinnacle of the temple. And says, throw yourself off the temple. And I believe it was just the devil being sarcastic. But the middle one, I believe, was to me, to me, I look at it as the hardest one, and this is why. He takes him up into a high mountain and shows shows unto him all the kingdoms of the world. Power and the people. And what did the Lord come for? He didn't come for the trees or nothing else. He comes for humanity. Now, do I believe the enemy was exaggerating here? Probably so. I don't believe he had authority over all the people. But here the enemy is trying to tell him, if you will just worship me, I will give you all of humanity. I don't know if Satan was trying to say, I will release any hole I have on humanity. I will give you all of humanity if you will just worship me. To me... That would have been the Lord in a weakened state in his flesh. To me, that would have been the hardest one. When everything he came for was humanity. And the enemy offering him the people. And the Lord said, no. I'm not worshiping you. You got to worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. That's just me. Now in... First Samuel, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to, I'm really not going to read nothing out of there per se. I didn't even give them nothing on it. But I just want to draw a few points from just me looking at this. Thinking about family and friends and just of what this time of year means. Where David went and met Goliath. And my first observation is 40 we know in the Bible is a time of severe testing. And we know that from the Bible. And the Bible does say that Goliath run his mouth for 40 days. So therefore we know. And I would say regarding that, and it's ironic that he was on a mountainside when he, when he did this. So I would say as far, from, as, far as a spiritual point of view, To us as Christians. It's on the mountain. It's when we're going to be baited. The enemy is going to bait us. On the mountaintop. But when we get in the valley. It's when all the rules is going to change. But the Bible when it makes perfect sense. When it says. But there was no sword. In the hand of David. And David goes and tells Goliath and says, you know what? The Lord's going to deliver me out of your hand just like he delivered the others. And David knew this because this is not the first battle that he had been in. He had had other battles that he had fought. And the other battles had gave him confidence And that's why I've said before, and I probably have said behind this pulpit, it's when we get in the valley. That's why the the Bible says no sword in the hand of David. When you get in the valley, that's when the rules is going to change. And in the valley, in a weakened state, don't let the enemy define you. Don't let him change the rules on you. We know what we're supposed to be about. So we cannot let the enemy define us. So David, as we know it, had a sling. So, and he took the sling for one reason and one reason only because God had anointed him to use that sling. That's the reason he took it. And the, I believe the enemy knew this. So, and I believe that God had anointed David to use the sling for one purpose and one purpose only. And this is my point. Spiritually speaking, God had anointed David to use a sling to protect the sheep. And I said, at this time of year, when family means so much to us, we can't compromise our faith. I was just sitting at the house thinking on this, and I thought, you know, everything that David did, everything he did, God had anointed him. The enemy says, you come out. The Bible even says that he cursed David by his gods. You come out against me with sticks. In other words, where is your sword at? But the Bible says there was no sword. David used what God had anointed him with. That's why I said, don't go to the valley And let the enemy persuade you to use something that God has not anointed you with. We cannot get in the valley and all of a sudden succumb to the enemy and let him change the rules on us. We have got to use what God has anointed. Because the soul, boil it all down. Boil it all down. I'm telling you, you can use the physical to make a spiritual. The sole purpose was to protect the sheep. So spiritually speaking, when you are protecting the ones that you love, the enemy knows that. Don't change the rules. Don't compromise your faith. Stay firm on your faith. Stay with this Bible. Stay with what's anointed. Stay with what's true. And if we would do that like David, if we will stay with what God has anointed like David, it will protect the sheep. It will protect what God has anointed given us and he has given us his sheep now at this time of year I just want to say Merry Christmas and our prayer would be that this time of year would be as much and as full as what God would want it to be for you not what society wants it to be what God would want it to be for you And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. You are the reason he came. You are the reason that he suffered and died. You are the reason that everything that was done was done. Now, I will end with this. The Apostle Peter, in the second second Peter, I will just quote part of his verse this verse in the quoting gets quoted I would say it gets misquoted and I understand it and I'm not throwing rocks against people but the way it gets quoted the most is like this the Lord is not slack concerning his promises that is not what the Bible says it is speaking of a singular purpose. I'm not throwing rocks. What the Bible says is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And that promise it is referring to is him coming back. Three or four verses ahead of that, it says we're going to have scoffers making fun. It just says, you know what? All things is just as they was ever since the beginning of creation, the Bible says. Nothing's changed. Everything's just like it was. In other words, time is going on. Nothing has changed. Everything's the same. But Peter assured us. And he says, God is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. So therefore, God ain't going to leave us here. God ain't going to leave us here. I cannot get in the frame of mind as a Jew's was and only see half the equation. I have got to look at the whole picture. I have got to look at the whole picture and not just get overwhelmed with life and think life is so frustrating and just so rat race mentality and think how could this thing ever, how could it ever happen? No, I can't allow myself to get to that point. I can't allow myself to be pushed to that. For as the Jews in Israel just stood there and says, You know what? We got the physical, but we ain't got the spiritual yet. I can't get to that on the second coming of the Lord. For with all the prophecies they had, God gave us so many prophecies concerning His second coming. So at the second coming... I can't get so confused about life and just wonder because the Bible tells us simply he is not slack. He will not forget us. He will not leave us here. He will come again and get his church. We will not be left here. He is coming to get us and he will not. And the one thing he is, he is our hope and our strength. And so everything that this time of year, what it means, it means a whole lot of things to a whole lot of people. But I know what this book says. And this book says that God gave everything for humanity. So therefore, it is literally the fulfillment of everything this book said it would be. So therefore, I know that at this time of the year, I just wish the world could hear just a little part of what Christmas actually is and not just the commercial side of it and just you hadn't spent enough or whatever. You know, all I'm saying is there's a lot of God that's left out. And just so just so that we know Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. We love you, appreciate you, thank you for your being attentive. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. I'm going to ask you to stand. In Jesus' name, God bless you.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m.